Welcome to Stories I Didn't Tell Last Sunday. I'm your host, Doug McAllister for Journey Fellowship Church. And joining me today is the Next Step Pastor at Journey, Al Sharche. Welcome aboard, Pastor Al. Super excited. And you probably remember, but Al is working on his master's degree at Regents University. Uh, and Al is somewhat of an apologist. It's <laughs> sort of like your hobby, but also now becoming your uh, expertise. Well, I wouldn't quite go that far, yeah. but yeah. You're very I, humble, but it's true. I, yeah. I do enjoy yeah. the topic. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about the historical evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. So, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event in all of history. Amen. And we want to talk today about the historical evidence of the resurrection. As believers, all of us agree that the resurrection happened and that Jesus Christ is alive and today sits at the right hand of God. But if you're not a believer, right. how can you know that that event actually happened? So right. we want to talk a little bit. Now, we got a list of 14 different historical proofs of the resurrection. We're not going to get into all 14 of what? them. I know. Come I wish on. we could. If we had a longer day. Let's I do think 14 the, in 14 minutes. I know. I think the memory card only holds 70 minutes, so we'll try to keep it as uh, you know as succinct as possible. Now, uh, if you're watching this uh, after Easter, uh, we did uh, a series in uh, April at Journey, and Easter Sunday we talked about the historical proof. If you're watching before Easter, then you'll have to wait for a couple weeks. However, we want to take some of these topics and just kind of unpack them right. and look at the historical proof that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was an actual event yep. in history. So let's start here, the death by crucifixion. Yeah. Why is it important to understand the death by crucifixion as a historical proof of the resurrection? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different avenues that I think we can go with that with that question. I would say, uh, you know, to me, one of the simplest things to say is to 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 understand that the crucifixion of Jesus actually happened, and um, and resulted in his death yeah. is one of the most well attested facts in regards to anything that Jesus did. Yeah. You know, Jesus claimed to do a lot of miracles. He right. claimed to raise the dead, Lazarus. He mm -hmm. claimed to heal the sick, claimed yeah. to walk on water. All of these miraculous claims that Jesus was made, uh, that Jesus made, are, you know, that obviously we read them, we know them, we right. believe them. But right. at the same time, the only miracle that it, well, I'll say the only, the best attested miracle yeah. that Jesus ever did was literally going to the cross, yeah. dying on the cross, and right. then being resurrected from the dead. You know, even the details uh, of his death, which are recorded by all four of the Gospels, yep. you know, not every event is in all four Gospels, but that one is, right. the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You know, but John, uh, was it John that said when they stabbed his side, blood and water mm -hmm. flowed out, right. which seems like an insignificant detail right. until you realize that not every dead person has water come out of their chest right. or stomach when he's stabbed. So John probably didn't know that that was a, a specific uh, reaction of the human body to a person that had died by suffocation where right. water gathered around their heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, John wasn't, you know, a doctor and probably most people in the first century didn't study dead bodies, right. you know, so that detail, I believe the Holy Spirit put it there just to give us some um, concrete proof. Now we know because of the science of forensics that, you know, when a person dies the way Jesus did, that water will gather around that part of your torso. Right. And if you're stabbed, the blood and water comes out. Right. So John, not knowing the detail, was, you know, accurate to describe mm -hmm. what Jesus' death was like. Right. You know, it's it's in the Gospels. You know, and now we can look back twenty centuries later and say, wow, that really attests to the death of Jesus. Right. You know, he died by crucifixion. I was reading the other day about it, and um, you know, something I never thought about before is the fact that. You know, oftentimes people will dispute, okay, well, if there maybe there was a real Jesus, and mm -hmm. okay, maybe he did go to the cross, but this whole resurrection bit, I'm not certain yeah. about. Maybe he didn't actually die on the cross. Yeah. 
maybe he wasn't dead right. and uh, he came, you know, he was kind of nursed back to health or whatever. Yeah, it's the swoon theory. Right. He just right. kind of passed out on the cross, you know, and that's a way to discount the resurrection. Right. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I thought was interesting, I, I guess I never gave it enough, um, just never gave it a, a, enough, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Emphasis. I never yeah. focused on it enough. Yeah. The reality that, okay, this was a man who was carrying a, a cross. One, he was he was beaten. Right. He was put this crown, two to three inch mm -hmm. thorns, stuck into his head, mm -hmm. beaten with, with, with whips, it right? Was, his beard was pulled out. Beard pulled yeah. out, yeah. spat upon. As he carried this cross yeah. down, down the street, they, they right. assumed the cross was probably the typical cross mm -hmm. that was carried was about 60 pounds. Right. So he's carrying the 60 pound cross down right. through the street. As people were yelling at him, throwing stones at right. him, getting him actually to the cross, yeah. you know, and then nailing him to this cross, yeah. allowing his body to physically be hung there in the manner in which it was, right. suffering for as long as he suffered in, right. in, in that type of horrific manner. And then to think that, okay, if he somehow didn't die right. <laughs> in the midst of that, and he was somehow put into a, a tomb, and by some miraculous feat he actually didn't die yeah. and then showed himself to his disciples again yeah. the last thing that they would think is surely this is a man who has overcome death let's crown him king of yeah. kings lord yeah. of lords yeah. they would say good god get him a doctor yeah no, he's dead he's almost <laughs> he's, he's still this dead this is a man yeah. who was literally yeah. beaten within inches of his life right. he was he was he was you know yeah it's almost a foolish right. argument for a critic to make that he swooned and came back well he came back as a beaten bloody human being, not right. as a resurrected Lord. And that wasn't the description at all. He right. came back alive and well and whole. Right. Even the scars were already healed over yeah. in his side and in his hands and feet. Mm. So, you know, that argument is weak at best. Right. You know, but I think it's important to, to acknowledge the historical proof, uh, proof of the death yeah. of Jesus. Right. He died by crucifixion. Yep. Uh, and I read one critic the other day. Sometimes I'll just read what critics say, mm -hmm. just so I'll be able to answer, you know, sure. the the criticism. Uh, one critic said, "Well, Jesus, uh, if he was crucified, was probably not buried in a tomb, mm. because most of the crucified were criminals who were buried in the potter's field, and their right. body was just thrown into open graves, right. and no one would even know where what grave he was thrown into, you know. Which for a moment seems believable until you." do the research, and I found a couple of very telling pieces of evidence. Recently, an ossuary was uh, uncovered in Israel uh, of, a, of a man who was crucified at the time that Jesus was on the earth, so right. somewhere in that, that same era, uh, and he still had the nails in his hands and feet from mm. the crucifixion, right. which the archaeologist said this is proof beyond a doubt that the crucified, even though they were criminals, were still buried right. by their families in a marked grave with a coffin. Right. You know, so uh, again, that argument is easily dismissed if you know the history and the archaeology that backs up the biblical claims. Right. Yeah, I, I think more often than not, what you'll find is a lot of times if you're, if you're trying to paint with a very broad brush, they never did this. Right. They never buried this. They, yeah. like, using those very absolute type of yeah. terms, it's like, mm, I yeah. I think you're probably off there. <laughs> you may not, yeah. The statistical likelihood that every single person was, you know, who was crucified was thrown right. into yeah. uh, this field or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. mm, right. And the atoning death is a central tenet of the of salvation. Right. You know, we are saved because of the death of Jesus Christ. You know, so not only is it important to us as believers, now we know the historical evidence backs it up that Jesus died, mm -hmm. and to other men were crucified at the same time as Jesus, mm. one on the left, one on the right. And when the Roman soldiers came through, just to verify they were dead, right. uh, they broke the legs of the two other thieves and criminals right. on the left and right of Jesus because they were not dead. Right. Just to make sure they can no longer support their weight on the cross so they can lift themselves up to be able to breathe because crucifixion is basically death by asphyxiation. Yeah, asphyxiation. Yeah. Your The body weight can't uh, support itself unless uh, the crucified can stand on the nails, which must be in and of itself an excruciating experience. Yeah. But they would stand on the cross on the nail so that they could breathe. When they got to Jesus, they didn't break his legs because the Roman soldier said he's already dead. Right. So this is a non-believer making the statement that right. the, this man 
though crucified, died on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. So that's huge. To me, that's the, yeah. probably the first cornerstone of the resurrection is that Jesus Christ was dead. Yeah. That he literally died on the cross. Yeah. And I guess the next thing logically would be the burial. Yeah. You know, that we know where Jesus was buried. We know where the tomb is today. Yeah. You know, it's still located, you know. Yep. Uh, there's a church built over it, you know, the... Church of the Holy Sepul Sepulchre yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that word always tricks, tricks me. Is it <laughs> sepulchre or sepulchre? I don't know which. Yeah, you no know. clue. You're a Greek scholar. You no, should be able to tell us. Not a Greek scholar. <laughs> well, you're working that but way. But I do play yeah. one on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so actually... Is it, is it sepulchre I have or is no it sepulchre? Idea. But anyway, the Church of the Holy... Yeah, the Church of the Holy Grave. Yeah. That's where Jesus was buried. We know where his tomb was. Right. And we know where it was because it belonged to a man who lived at the same time of Jesus, a powerful, spiritually strong, and uh, business leader of the community of Jerusalem. Uh, it belonged to a man of jo named Joseph of Arimathea. Right. It was his personal plot. You know, like we have cemetery plots, you know, uh, some families buy uh, entire parts of cemeteries that they all be buried together. Right. That has never interested me. Yeah. I, I don't want to put that much planning into my death, uh, but some, it's important for some families, you know, I right. visited, uh, my family's plot, my, uh, grandfather and his family is all buried in the same plot. So when I go visit them, they're all buried together. Mm -hmm. makes it very convenient for those of us going, you right. know, years later. Uh, so Joseph apparently had uh, a, a family plot, right? And he went to um, Pontius Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, right? You know, and you wonder why God put so much effort in that detail. I think it just all leads to the resurrection, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting in, in that account. Uh, I don't remember if it's in Luke or um, I think it might have been in Luke, but I'm not certain. Pontius Pilate was actually surprised yeah. that Jesus was dead already. Right. He's dead already? Right. Okay, yeah, sure. Take yeah, his body. Take his body. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly enough, it wasn't just Joseph, but wasn't it Nicodemus? Right. That went with him to bury him. Right. He's the same Nicodemus that in John 3 that came to Jesus at night mm -hmm. and where Jesus gave us the key to eternal life. You have to be born again. Right. It was that Nicodemus yep. who followed Jesus from afar. Yep. Even when he was alive, he was still a, you know, a distant disciple. Mm -hmm. But at his burial, yeah. he was with uh, Joseph of Arimathea for the burial of Jesus. Yeah, you know? yeah it, it makes you just kind of recognize or you think about the, the fact that here was a man, Nicodemus, who was probably, you, we, it's a pretty safe assumption, he was older than Jesus, yeah. um, more studied, and mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't want to say he was more learned than Jesus, that's Probably heresy. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, you know, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Right, right? exactly. So he, he, was, he, he was no slouch. He was an elder in right. for the whole nation. So apparently so he, he was... There was something very curious yeah. about this person, mm -hmm. Jesus, mm -hmm. that he would be willing to, um, mm -hmm. to kind of lose his standing in society. Right. And uh, at first we see that he came to Jesus over the cover, during the cover of night, right? right? He wanted to speak to Jesus and ask Jesus some right. questions, but he didn't want anyone else to necessarily right. know. He wasn't sure yet. Like, right. I don't want to risk it all. Right. Because Jesus was a 30-year-old upstart. Right. You know, there was a lot of people when they turned 30 that gathered a few disciples and tried to start their own movement. Right. You know, so he probably thought, oh, he's another... 30-year-old rabbi trying right. to change everything. So let me just talk to this dude. Right. Apparently, he convinced Nicodemus. Yeah, throughout his entire, so throughout his entire ministry, yeah. he was a man who, who started off very curious about who Jesus was and what yeah. Jesus was doing. Um, and, you know, many people came to Jesus and threw accusations or questions to him publicly because they wanted to trap him, publicly mm -hmm. because they wanted to condemn him and they wanted to try and, uh, you know, get him caught up in some trap or some lie or whatnot. Yeah. We don't necessarily see that with Nicodemus. No, he was, he was legitimate... genuine mm -hmm. and authentic mm -hmm. in, in his, in, you know, in why he was asking the questions yeah. he was asking. So how do I get to heaven? Yeah. I got to be born again? Wait, I got to go back into my mother's womb? Second time, so, what? Wait, this is not even possible. Right. Jesus said, no, you got to be born of the water. And I think that must have opened Nicodemus's eyes, right? you know, and that he stayed a follower of Jesus for the next three and a half years mm -hmm. or so. Right. And then at the burial, he went with Joseph. So maybe he and Joseph were friends. Maybe they were both on the Sanhedrin. I don't yeah. know if Joseph was or not. But um, they went and gathered the body of Jesus. Yeah, they, and that's just really interesting to me that, that he would, uh, you know, be willing to... So at one point, you're coming during the cover of night, but on another point, you're taking that yeah. man down from yeah. the cross. So now you're making it public. Right, exactly. 
I think this guy's somebody special. Right. It's, it speaks volumes for yeah. what was occurring in Nicodemus's own right. heart over the course of that. Yeah, because he was risking his place and right. his reputation. Right. Wait, you're going to bury this criminal? Right. And you're going to why? What does yeah. he mean to you? Look, yeah. he died. He, you know, he died cursed yeah. on a cross. Right. And you were willing to bloody your clothes mm-hmm. for this man. Right. So they took him off the cross, which was which was a messy ordeal. Yeah. You know. Uh, it's like working in an accident scene. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. He, they took his dead body off the cross. Right. Somebody had to carry him. Yeah. You know, so Jesus was still bleeding out. Mm-hmm. You know, so Nicodemus was probably covered in the blood of Jesus. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and I, I, I just think about the, um, obviously what Jesus went through is horrific, but even just that, that act yeah. in and of itself, you know, I'm reminded of just picking up my dad and some of my dad's final stages. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. trying to trying to hold another human being right. who it's, can't hold themselves. It's emotional, man. You know, it's a, Jesus was you. dead. My father wasn't dead when I yeah. was picking him up, but right. trying to get him out of a wheelchair and get him into a car and right. move him around, it's just not an easy process. And Nicodemus uh, apparently believed that Jesus was worthy of his right. life because he risked everything. You know, let's back up just a little bit before we get to the burial. You know, what happened at the cross was very significant uh, because Jesus asked John... Mm. To take care of his mom. Woman, behold your mother. Yeah. What do you think is significant about that? Well, to me, one of the most significant things is the fact that, um, you know, one, as Jesus is dying, he chose to give responsibility of his mother to his disciple, John, as opposed to Jesus's other brothers. Yeah. Because he uh, had at least five of the brothers, right, right. or six? Yeah, at least five. He had a handful of brothers right. we know uh, that are named, and he had two, at least two right. sisters. Right. So, but Jesus didn't ask any of them to watch over Mary. Right. Yeah. So, so the significance. There are a lot of different uh, uh, angles you can kind of come at this, but to me, one of the most significant things is the fact that James, the half brother of Jesus, yeah. who went on to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Right. Uh, wasn't given the uh, responsibility to take care of his own mother. Jesus yeah. didn't trust the care of his mother to James. Right. He trusted the care of his mother to his disciple John. Yeah. And uh, and most people would say that's partially, at least partially, because James yeah. was a non-believer. Yeah. And because James was a non-believer and G- and John was a believer. Right. Um, that's why that responsibility was given to John. So the reality that James, the half brother of Jesus, was a non-believer at the cross, right. at the the crucifixion scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yet um, a short period of time later, whatever that was, a couple yeah. of weeks, couple, right. whatever it was, right. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, you know, became a believer, right. and not only became a believer, but became such a strong believer right. that he went on to lead the uh, yeah. the church in Jerusalem. He was the pastor, according to history, that he became the pastor in Jerusalem. In fact, he wrote uh, one of the books of the New Testament, you know, and was a very influential leader, you know, but he never mentioned that, hey, I'm Jesus's uh, little brother. (laughs) I I think I'll play that card. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. He he never did, man. You know, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, which is a significant transition for a little brother to make, you know, that... No, this is not just a brother. This well, again, is... it, it, it speaks to the significance of the resurrection. Yeah. You know, that this man's life was changed in a very powerful way. Yeah. And this man was no stranger. This man was no disciple. This right. was the brother. Right. So James grew, grew up, up yeah. with Jesus right. in the same house yeah. and knew him intimately. At one point, his brothers uh, approached him, and Jesus was teaching a small group of people. Right. His brother and his mother uh, uh, approached him, and the disciples said, Hey, your mom and your brothers are out here. Right. Uh, and the, the scriptures say that he was there because they said he was going Crazy. crazy. They came to rap. You know, yeah. To You're giving our family a bad in. name. Right. You're out here doing talking all these things. People doing, following Jesus? you. You're giving our family a bad name. Yeah. They literally called him crazy. Like, and chill out, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus said, "Who is my brother? Right. Who are my mother? But he, those who do." He the just acknowledged my that, "Hey, my my own family's disowning me." Right. Yeah. So to go from that right to the resurrection uh, to a leader in the church yeah. again, it just signifies that there some, had to be an event. Right. That changed James's mind. Right. You know, the life of Jesus didn't change his mind. Right. Had to be mm. something after the, the death. Yeah, that's a great point. The yeah. life of Jesus didn't change his brother. Right. But, but the resurrection did. The resurrection changed yeah, that's a great everything. Point. Mm-hmm. Everything. So uh, Jesus is buried. John, I mean, um, Nicodemus and um, Joseph of Arimathea mm-hmm. took Jesus' body down. They wrapped him in a burial cloth. Right. 
uh, and then they brought him to the tomb, right. and they laid him in, in the tomb. Yep. And then they rolled the stone over the door. Of course, we've all seen, you know, replicas of the tomb, this right. giant stone, you know. Um, we don't know exactly how it looked, but we have a, an idea. Mm-hmm. The stone was immovable. Right. It was a sealed grave. Right. You know, it, it would take, you know, uh, lots of men yeah. or, or an act of God to open this tomb. Right. You know, and he was sealed. And it was the Sabbath, you know, coming upon them. So he died on a Friday. Right. Uh, around three o'clock, mm-hmm. they only had a few hours to get him down and get him to the grave. Had to go get permission from Pontius Pilate, go get his body, wrap him. Mm-hmm. What even time for a proper funeral? They didn't. They didn't prepare his body for burial. There was no spices. There was no, you know, things added to his body to give him a dignified burial. It was a. It was a rapid, mm-hmm. get this thing down, and they were in a hurry because. Uh, at sundown, the Sabbath started, mm-hmm. so they had to get him in the grave before the Sabbath. That's true, right? Yeah, that's yeah. A, that all yeah. sounds accurate to me. Yeah, I wasn't sh- I wasn't sure that they didn't use spices or, or yeah. things like that. I think that's because uh, I think my memory, if served if it serves me correctly, Mary brought it on Sunday morning. Mm. They brought the uh, herbs. Yeah, that makes sense to anoint and, his and body. I, and I, I do remember. I mean, obviously, he was anointed. Um, was it Mary? Uh, yeah. When she wiped it, she she poured, she, she poured the, the alabaster yeah, oil right. on his body in preparation in preparation for his burial. Right. Right. Yeah. So that what that did happen. You're right. right. But of course, then he was crucified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of that oil may have been lost because of the blood and the right. and the torture he went through. Right. You know. But he was prepared for burial. But I think the proper burial didn't happen until right. Sunday morning. It's, so scriptures also speak that his his tomb was guarded yeah. by Roman guards. Yeah. Which again speaks to the the you know some critics would say well maybe his body you know he prophesied that he would raise himself up on the third day right um, so maybe some of his disciples stuck snuck in and, and right. stole the body in order right. to perpetrate and this that was myth. that was a legend according right. to the scripture that's told even to this day I think right. was it John or one, one of them I don't remember yeah, where one of them said that that's a legend told to this day that his body was stolen but we know it wasn't because. The Romans guard, Roman guards surrounded the tomb. Right. And when Mary came on Sunday morning, they found the guards, you know, slain. Right. And the, and the stone rolled away and the right. body was gone. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty interesting that uh, like to me, it seems like if this never happened, if the resur- if Jesus, if the, the his death on the cross, if his mm-hmm. resurrection, if those things actually did not happen. Yeah. It seems to me to be one of the easiest things to, to prove. Yeah. In the history of, of history, right? Like, look, right. this did like how this is still going on two thousand right. years later. Yeah. It seems extremely absurd, or you know, yeah. or improbable to think that right. this wouldn't have been proved otherwise right. mm-hmm. early on, much right. less still to yeah. this day. And an event like that, if you were to die today, right, and we would start a new religion around Alvin and yeah. say that, hey, your body is you're all you going know, to hell. Every well, we'd all be in bad <laughs> bad shape. But it would be, you know, all your contemporaries could easily say that's not true. Right, they're lying. Right. You know, Al's, Al's body was this or that. And that never happened right. with the body of Jesus. In fact, uh, the history records that uh, the, the high priest and those in power paid the guards to say that yeah. his body was stolen. Yeah. You know, even though we, you know, know that it right. wasn't, you know. Yeah, there's there's so much there, you know, as it relates to the, the burial and the resurrection. I appreciate right. the fact that, um, you know, on those very first moments of the resurrection, that it, yeah. that it was women yeah. whom found Jesus, yeah. you know, and the relationship that Jesus had with women all throughout his ministry. Yeah. You know, I read last night that um, there wasn't one woman in all of in any of the gospels mm-hmm. who ever spoke poorly, whoever spoke in hostility yeah. towards Jesus. Yeah. And um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, just the, it is. the the yeah. the support and the yeah. way that Jesus empowered. The women yeah. in his ministry throughout yeah. his life, and then of course to to that that the gospel, um, the most important aspect of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yeah. would be entrusted to yeah. women. Woman. Yeah, because you know, starting with you know John four, the woman at the well; mm-hmm. John eight, the woman caught in the act of adultery; you know, uh, the the widow burying her son Jesus. I had tremendous compassion. Yeah. 
on on women and Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. Right. You know, she followed him to the cross. Yeah. And she was the first one there on Sunday morning. Right. And God entrusted her to be the first messenger yeah. of the resurrection. Yeah. You know, that that's huge, yeah, especially in the culture of right. first century Israel. You right. know, women were not given that kind of clout or influence or position. You know, and God chose Mary and another Mary. And I'm, is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, the other Mary? That's what they suspect. Right. So and then Salome is the third woman. Right. So there were three women there right. that went on the first day of the week. So, you know, the, the crucifixion, the death and the burial mm -hmm. are all historical, uh, you know, historically sound uh, events that right. we can attest to that they happened. Jesus lived. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. Right. That sets up the picture now of the most important event in the history of the universe, the resurrection. Right. You know, so what are the historical proofs of the resurrection? Oh, well, so, I mean, to me, the power of a changed life is what speaks volumes to mm -hmm. me. You know, as we said just a moment ago about James, you know, seeing the way James uh, lived and treated Jesus while he was alive yeah. in response to how he treated and lived yeah. his life after yeah. the fact. Right. You know, we look to his disciples, the the, li the lives of his disciples, Peter and John and yeah. so many others. Right. You know, these were men who were willing to, they, they believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. They believed that they saw him. They believed they mm -hmm. spoke to him. They believed they touched his side. They believed that right. they had a meal with him. Right. In John's last letter, well, one of the last letters that mm -hmm. John wrote, First John, he says, we write these things that we have seen, that we have heard, that mm -hmm. we had touched. Right. right. He speaks in great detail about yeah. his ex physical experiences right. with the resurrected, with the Christ. resurrected yeah. Christ. So to me, the most yeah. powerful aspect is just the changed lives and yeah. the fact that how they lived their life after the fact, that it yeah. wasn't just yeah. something that occurred for a week or right. a year. Right. It was something that, you know, that they yeah. lived out and then all that they endured mm -hmm. as a result of that belief. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, the testimony of a changed life is probably the most powerful testimony. James being a great case in point, but even the other 11 yep. all forsook him and fled except for John. Right. So they gave up. They quit. They went home. Peter denied him. Yep. You know, he, he just said, whatever, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm out. Right. You know, even though he watched it from afar, he wouldn't even own up to it anymore. Right. These men quit right. and walked away from Jesus. And now, 40 days later, they're boldly preaching about a resurrected Christ, they witnessed something. Right. You know, as a believer, I believe they found they had an encounter with the living Christ. And but an unbeliever, if, if you're open minded, you're gonna think, what happened to change these men right. so radically? You yeah. know, uh, his, his brother, uh, little brother James, and all these other ten of the eleven disciples. John never stopped believing, but the right. other ten, you know quit yeah and now they're now they're all back so i think the witnesses is yeah, you're right the witnesses to uh the you know the resurrection mary mary and salome and then jesus told them you know go, they, go yeah, and tell they encountered the living christ you know and i, I mentioned this yesterday at, on sunday morning uh you know the first person to see jesus was mary after mm -hmm. the resurrection mary magdalene right and he and she fell at his feet mm. Obviously, she recognized him. Yeah. She saw him dead. Yeah. She saw him hanging dead on the cross. Right. Here we are just, you know, not even three whole days later. Mm -hmm. You know, he's walking around, and apparently he looked healthy and strong. Yeah. You know, and she fell at his feet. Right. And he said, go tell my brothers right. that I'm going to meet them in Galilee. You know, which was pretty telling. It's a it's a pretty good walk away. Yeah. You know, Jesus was able to walk from Jerusalem to Galilee. It wasn't a short stroll. Right. You know, so he was healthy and strong. Yeah. And he met he met the eleven in Galilee. Well, the, I mean, there's a lot there as far as healthy and strong is concerned. I mean, th that was his resurrected body. Yeah. And we we look to a lot of what he did in that resurrected body. I think it's telling to what we'll experience in our yeah. resurrected bodies yeah. in our new created bodies right. as well like literally walking through locked doors. Yeah, through a know. wall or whatever, you know. And, and Jane, I mean, uh, Thomas, the doubter, right. touched the scars. Right. 
you, you don't get scars in three days. Right. You know, a scar, especially a scar of mm, that magnitude with a nail driven through your yeah. wrist. Yeah, great point. And a nail driven through both of your feet. Right. They're all they're all healed over. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. I, yeah. I, again, I, something I, I guess I never thought of before. Yeah. I love the fact that uh, that Jesus not only was able to walk through material walls yeah. and doors that were locked, right, but he also sat down and ate. Hey, let's have breakfast and fish that he caught. Apparently, <laughs> let's have some, let's have some breakfast, Peter, guys. Peter was make fishing. You a fire. Yeah, right. they were fishing, and Jesus was on the bank preparing fish that he apparently already caught right maybe right. those fish volunteered they swam to the bank hey jesus take i'm me. pretty sure if i was a fish that's what it, <laughs> hey take me come on jesus make me for breakfast what do you want me you want me over here or you want me in the pan <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep swimming i'll hop the, over there i'm in the pan yeah jesus made them breakfast <laughs> right you know fish and they sat and ate so they ate a meal with jesus post resurrection right. so apparently resurrected people can eat yeah which i'm excited yeah. about yeah hallelujah it's one of my favorite hobbies yeah well and, yeah. and i think that's again that's again it's off topic from the resurrection, or is I think. it? it Maybe, <laughs> but I mean, we're we're told about the the yeah. the, the lamb's supper, the, yeah. the marriage supper of the lamb, exactly right. right? That there will be a, a great mm -hmm. feast, there will be a meal, and it's not because we actually need sustenance for our bodies, right. but because of the, I think, just because of the atmosphere yeah. that's created when you're celebrating a meal with right. people, right? Because it, it was a glorified body, you know. Because right. he told one of the, was it Mary? He said, "Don't touch me, because I haven't yet ascended right. to right. my Father." Mm -hmm. But yet he let Thomas touch him, right? Which was interesting. I don't know the. Mm. significance of that but yeah. mary couldn't but thomas could and maybe because mary believed that thomas didn't thomas just needed the reassurance i don't know yeah you know but he let thomas touch him yeah that's interesting know? and i think it also points out a great uh you know observation about our own faith that there's room for doubt you know thomas wasn't cast out right of the 12 because he doubted in right. fact jesus brought him in closer oh, right you need some more proof touch me right you know which i love that about you know about the Savior, mm. that He doesn't get rid of us when we're not perfect, you right. know, and, or that when we doubt. Mm -hmm. But instead, He brings us closer and says, "Yeah." And that wasn't even a, a, a thing that Jesus was physically present to hear Himself. Right. It was something that He yeah. supernaturally knew. Again, just kind of gives yeah. us some insight yeah. to the relationship we have right. with Jesus. And this is way off topic, but it's part of the story. You know, between the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, Jesus went and preached to the spirits that were in prison since yep. the days of Noah. Right. It's it's only a blurb in Peter. Yeah. It's only like three verses. Right. But it's telling. I just want to know, wow, there's more. It's got to be more to that story. <laughs> What was what was Jesus? Where where was that? So most would say you could find more details to that story in Enoch. Yeah. Well, uh, again, but is it reliable? Right. Yeah. And, and it may be, but so just, I, I I wouldn't go as far as to give it credibility as right. the Gospels, obviously, exactly. or any of the New Testament. Yeah. But it was a popular writing during yeah. the intertestimonial period. Yeah. So during that the few hundred years prior to Christ. Right. And during the life of Christ, so it would have been uh, not definitely not inspired writing, but it would have been popular Jewish yeah. writing mm -hmm. that Peter and others would have been familiar with. And they knew it. So yeah. more than likely he was right. kind of referencing some of Enoch's material. But because of my fundamental training, yeah. I like, man, I can't go read Enoch. I don't want to <laughs> dig into that. But again, I have glimpsed through it and I'm totally free to read it. I don't yeah. live under legalism. However, uh, we don't know biblically Right. What happened now? Extra biblically, there's probably some explanation, right. but may, maybe we'll know one day when we get there. You right. know, where were the, where was that prison that those spirits were held in? How many people were there? And how right. long did Jesus stay there? Right. You know, and and are those the ones that rose from the dead? You know, I don't know. When, right. When the earthquake happened after crucifixion, I don't know all yeah. those details. And I guess God doesn't want us to know. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But it's interesting to think there was a lot going on after the resurrection, but before he met Mary. Yeah. There was some activity. Yeah, there's a whole lot happening and going on. Yeah, and we know yeah. the angels were involved. Yeah, angels were involved. Yeah. Graves opened up at yeah. one point. There was an earthquake. Yeah. You know, the sun stopped shining. Yeah. I mean, there was a significant amount of, you know, visible uh, uh, effects. Right. You know, the earthquake. The right. And I think that's what Paul was, a part of what Paul was referencing in Corinthians when he said that the, that there were over 500 witnesses yeah. whom are alive to this right. day, some right. of whom who are alive to this day. Right. So, and I think that's kind of what Paul was referencing. Whatever miraculous event took place um, soon after the resurrection of, yeah. of Christ. So, at least, and then this is another historical proof. Right. At least five hundred right. individuals who were alive, right. contemporaries of Paul, saw the resurrected Jesus. Right. Yeah, and the fact that Paul mentions some of whom are still alive to this day, if yeah. I remember correctly, that's, that's right. how it's yeah. worded in Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
um, the fact that Paul mentions that yeah. he meant scholars believe he specifically says that as yeah. a way for the recipients of the letter to go and verify. Yeah. You don't believe this? These people, some yeah. of them are still alive. Go talk to them. Yeah. They're living in your hometown. <laughs> yeah. They're they not saw hiding. Jesus. I'm not making this up. Yeah. You want some extra proof of what right. I'm saying that what right. I'm saying is true? Go talk to these 500. How many witnesses does it take to prove a court case in American law? What is it? Two or three? Yeah. I think it's just, you need yeah. a few eyewitnesses right. are evidence that point to eyewitnesses. In the resurrection of Jesus, there were 500 people right. who saw him. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. 500. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any one of them could have said, no, nah, I didn't see him. I how much it. do you have to believe something yeah. to be able to say, hey, you know how much I believe it? You don't believe me? Fine. I got 500 other people <laughs> yeah. who believe it too. You know how at ease you must have been with, yeah, your, with, with totally, what you believed? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And another historical proof, Paul, yeah. who wasn't a follower... Who didn't? In fact, he was a persecutor of the church. Right. He was killing preachers and right. Christians and imprisoning uh, church leaders. Had an encounter with the living Christ. Yeah. You know, Jesus came to him, right. knocked him off his horse. Mm. That's a yeah. So Gary Habermas, um, one of the probably the world's greatest scholar as it right. regards to the resurrection, he believes that within three years of the resurrection is when Paul probably had a born again experience. Wow. So by 36 yeah. or so, 36, right. 37, depending on how you date things, right. uh, Paul was probably, uh, you know, had that encounter with, with yeah. Christ, and which obviously radically changed the course of his life. Yeah. So to go from a persecutor of the church mm -hmm. and a murderer um, right. to an individual who was, you know, Jesus said when he appeared to him, I'm, I will show him how much he must suffer yeah. for my name's sake. Yeah. So to go to to go from where he was, yeah. someone who was causing suffering, to someone right. who would now willingly embrace the suffering right. of following Christ. Right. Again, it just speaks magnitudes right. to what he must have encountered. Right. You know, in that in that um, in that appearing of of Christ. Yeah. You know, the, all those whom were around him on that road to Damascus, they heard the voice. They didn't see it. It says they didn't see what Paul saw. Yeah. But they heard something, and they all fell to their to their yeah. faces. Yeah. So they heard the boom. They didn't know what was going on. Paul was blinded. Paul spoke to and saw G yeah. the resurrected Jesus. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, again, to me, the fact that he was willing to to suffer for as long as he suffered. Right. Uh, it attests to the to the, the to the reality yeah. of what he experienced. So he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus talked to him. Paul was blinded mm -hmm. for three days. He lay in somebody's bedroom, right. a, a guest as a guest, until that brave believer came and laid hands on him. And Ananias, yeah, Ananias came and yeah. prayed for him, and he was even scared to come right. because of Paul's reputation <laughs> of being a murderer. Right. But he obeyed the Spirit and right. went and prayed for Paul. Paul was healed, and then Paul. When he left there, he went into exile. For, so Paul was, don't miss the fact, Paul was baptized in the Holy Spirit That's there. right, yeah. Paul was healed of physical blindness. That's right, yeah. Paul That's a huge part of the story. That's yeah, an amazing yeah. part yeah. of the story. Paul was physically healed. Yeah. Paul was baptized in the Holy Spirit, right. empowered for ministry, and right. then he went off into the yeah. desert for however long. How many years was he away? Some, Some say, say 14. 15, yeah. Yeah, 14 years. years. And then he conferred with Peter. Right. So Paul was in, you know, in the oven baking for a long right. time, man. I mean, yeah, that, that timeline is a, it, you know, it depends on when you believe some of those letters were written. Right. If Galatians was written in, you know, 57, yeah. then it means this. If right. it was written in 52, well, then it means yeah. that. And, you know, that the timelines right. get a little yeah, bit. And Paul mentioned some names in his epistles, which dates those, those writings because these officials you know, have a very historical presence right. in secular history. You know, the Holy Spirit was so smart, man, mm -hmm. is so smart, yeah, so amen. beautiful, so wise. He put all these little clues all throughout the book. Right. If you're willing to look at them, like, yeah. like Paul mentions this thing, like when Paul was, uh, was in Corinth, you know, he went to uh, the place where all the courts were held. You know, and he mentioned some very specific details about the judgment seat of Christ as he was visiting. Mm -hmm. You know, John. You know, when he was on the Isle of Patmos. You know, mm -hmm. all these all these historical clues right. are scattered throughout the twenty seven books. Right. You know, for the for the the curious and the and the open hearted to you know be right. convinced if you really want to be convinced. You right. Know? Uh, so, uh, so the, you know, uh, the disciples beginning with the 11 and of course, Jesus brother. And now Paul three years later, right. you know, uh, and, and all the writings by these men, 
you know, which date back to the time of the crucifixion. Right. You know, you know, uh, we consider historical proof of any event if there was a book written in the generation that it happened. Right. Much less the same time. Right. A contemporary right. wrote it down. Right. You know, Mark, who was inspired by Peter, you know, so he captured everything Peter said in the gospel. So it was, uh, it was literally an eyewitness testimony right. that Mark wrote down. You right. Know? So, yeah, so, so I, w- I was sharing before we started recording, I think it's like Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. You know, some of the earliest fragments of that writing are right. 500 years after it right. was suspected to have been written or yeah. the Gaelic Wars and a, a number of other... The Epic of Gil- uh, Gilgamesh, you right. know, is, is considered, you know, canon for historical... Right. And that's very little proof. Yeah, so we have, a, we have a couple of scraps, a right. couple of fragments. And when I say couple, like some of these literally, they're like they're 10. scraps. Yeah, right. 10 yeah. to 12, yeah. a dozen yeah. little scraps yeah. that have one or two words that yeah. people, you know, much smarter than me would say, okay, right. well, this is definitely from right. uh, the Iliad or the Odyssey right. or whatever. Wrote this. Yeah, and, and we can carbon date this, and it's yeah. 500 years after yeah. the time to yeah. which, but they, but they still say like, yeah, this is definitely from There's that. no doubt. But when we talk about the New Testament. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, well, Jack, yeah. what are you doing? And how many uh, copies of... I think it was almost 5,000. Yeah, there's yeah, manu- thousands. Manuscripts. Right, thousands of not scraps. Right. Full letters right. and full books. Right. Yeah. Um, somebody say if you count the the quotes of the early church fathers, there's 30,000 yeah. contemporary documents right. recording the life, right. the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the work of the church. 30,000. Yeah. You know? I read something the other day that was really interesting. Um, it was Gary Habermas again, the, yeah. the, the guy... He's just brilliant. Yeah. He really is. He's just brilliant. Right. But he, so he was, uh, he was teaching and, and talking about um, some of the early Christian hymns. Yeah. So we think of a hymn, we think of a, a song. And in this regard, it is kind of a song, but it was more of a way in which to teach a specific message. Yeah. So what he said was, he looks to Corinthians, he looks to um, Colossians, he looks to a handful of different letters that Paul wrote, right. and we could see these little stanzas, three lines, five, ten yeah. lines here, there, right. that seem to predate Paul, that that there are yeah. other writings that aren't yeah. um, New Testament writings where some of these same scraps of literature are found. Right. And what Gary Habermas and other scholars have, have found is that these were common sayings, hymns, if you will, mm-hmm. Christian hymns, yeah. that the first generation of Christians, many of whom couldn't read and couldn't yeah. write, right. were being taught about the um, the basic fundamentals of the faith. Yeah. All of them revolve yeah. around the life, death, burial, and resurrection. resurrection. Right. Of Jesus Christ. Right. So these hymns were essentially a way to teach these first generation Christians what was really important doctrinally yeah. about this newfound faith. Right. And maybe newfound faith is the wrong phrase to use, but this right. new expression yeah. of what God was doing, yeah. this yeah. continuation of Judaism, but right. in a new in a new yeah. way. And Paul even included it in First Corinthians fifteen, right. you know, which is the original Apostles' right. Creed. You know right. what's important? Right. He lived, he died, he was buried, he right. rose again. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back. Right. And that's you know that's pretty solid early yeah. on documentation of what the uh, the apostles believed right. about about Christianity. In Colossians, Colossians goes a, a slightly different route in uh, about right. the supremacy. Of Christ over all things, that He's right. the firstborn of all creation, right. yeah. that uh, all things were made through Him and by Him and for Him. Right, and nothing you know, was made without Him. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's so much there, but the, again, I just love the fact that those were, um, in a way, hymns yeah. that the early Christians, whether yeah. we're talking about the supremacy of Jesus yeah. over all of creation, how He yeah. made everything and holds everything together. Um, or whether we're talking about the fact that he rose from his death and his yeah. resurrection from the grave and yeah. his power over sin and death and the grave. Yeah. Death has no, um, oh, death, where is your sting? That yeah. whole little stanza, yeah. again, all of that is is speculated to be um, mm-hmm. some of the first hymns, if yeah. you will, that Christians, right. so Christians are, are they're, they're being converted. They're being genuinely saved. The right. power of the Spirit is coming upon them. Yeah. Yet they have no way to read. The, first of all, there is no New Testament text. Right. 
They're in the first they're generation. Yeah. yeah, they're literally yeah. living it out. Yeah. So how do they begin to put some meat on the bones of what they're yeah. experiencing? Yeah. And uh, and this is the way in which they did so. When Paul right. began to write his letters, he just began to incorporate yeah. some of which already existed in the forms of these early right. hymns. Yeah. And then, of course, through the inspiration of the Spirit, um, added on to what God was telling him. So yeah. it's pretty remarkable how it all came together, yeah. but it's all hinged on the resurrection. Yeah. Without the resurrection, nothing, none of it matters. Nothing happened. If the resurrection had not happened, nothing else matters. That's, 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 but because it did happen, nothing else right. matters. Everything hinges on the resurrection of right. Jesus. You know, it is literally the central event in all of the history of the universe you know, that God became a human being and he defeated death, mm -hmm. hell, and the grave. Right. You know, and by that now all of us have hope. You know, our hope is in Jesus and in the, in the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there's no hope. Yeah. You know, no matter how great of a person Jesus was, if you believe he was a good man, without the resurrection, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If he was just a good man who's dead, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, because yeah. he overcame sin, death, and the grave. Yeah. And because my life is hidden in Christ, yeah, I will too. Yeah, I'm going to overcome the grave. Yeah, and it, you know, and I'm a big proponent of the resurrection because I have my hope in Christ yeah. and in His resurrection. Yeah. I mean, Scripture yeah. says, without the resurrection, if the resurrection didn't happen, your faith is futile. Right, Paul it's meaningless. Said, yeah, it, what, what's the point? Right, you know, it means nothing. Right, so your the, faith literally has no power yeah. if the resurrection didn't happen. Right, and, and if you don't believe in the resurrection, right, the same is true. Yeah, because unfortunately, a that's a that's a that's a popular belief today. Yeah, that individuals can still I could still be a Christian, but I don't have to believe in the miraculous. Right, I don't have to believe in the resurrection. Yeah, but I'll believe in the moral teachings of Why? Jesus. Why waste your time? That's what I'm saying. Want to go rob banks? <laughs> so it's very common. Yeah, people take bits and pieces yeah. of what they like from different things and pull right. it together, right. and they'll still call themselves a Christian. It's right. like, hold on, wait, right. you, are, you are not a Christian. Yeah, I read, I read a stat the other day. Uh, I can't remember who did the survey, but they said that 67% uh, of the Christians believe in the resurrection. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's well, just foolish. Well, no, then you're not a Christian. Maybe the other 33 aren't, aren't saved. Yes, yeah. then... <laughs> I think you mean uh, on their way. Yeah, yeah. People who maybe attend church or right, right, right. you know who heard about Jesus, right. but if you don't believe in the resurrection, can you be saved even? Yeah. yeah well, I think that. Um, so I would. I think that you can. I would say you can be saved uh -huh. by the grace of God. So I, I would say, for in my own life, I look to my own. I looked. I look first. I look to scripture, and I'll say, "Hey, I believe the thief on the cross." Yeah. When Jesus said, "Today you'll be with me in paradise," he didn't have his theology all worked out. That's true. So I, I would say I look to scripture for that precedent, and I look to my own life, and I'll say, "Hey, I didn't have it all worked out. Yeah. What, what to believe and what not to believe. Yeah. I had a genuine. Um, I had a genuine desire to know God. If you're real. Yeah. Why does my little girl have a heroin addict for a daddy? Yeah. I had a genuine desire, Lord, yeah. I don't want to live this way anymore. Right. And by his grace, by my because I humbled myself yeah. and because I was sincere in my heart, yeah. he didn't reject me. And that's what scripture says. Yeah. And I think the grace of God does cover yeah. our lack of knowledge yeah. and understanding. But I do think yeah. that we're caught we're not expected to be saved and then to sit quiet and never right. the, the chosen frozen as the right. saying goes, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I was chosen by God, so I don't have to grow theologically right. or be sanctified or yeah. become holy or any of that. I was like, nope, that's not right. that's not what scripture says either. Right. I believe that if you're genuinely saved and you're walking with the Lord, the Spirit will lead you and guide you in all truth. Right. And you may not come to that understanding of the res resurrection right away, yeah. but I do believe you will. Yeah. And I believe if you don't, yeah. then I would begin to question if you're being yeah. led by the Spirit. Yeah, and I think your salvation experience is on, it stands on its own merit. It's by grace through faith. Yeah. It comes through Jesus Christ. But a believer who's following the Lord needs to examine the claims of the resurrection. Amen. It's the greatest story in the history of the world. And we're almost out of time, so let's just move on to a couple of more proofs of uh, the resurrection, the angel's testimony. Mm. So the angels of God yeah. sat at the empty tomb waiting for Mary. Right. And when she got there, they said, you're looking for Jesus, <laughs> but he is no longer here. He is risen. Yeah. Why are you searching for the living among the dead? Mm. Man, so the angels' testimony, so so heaven, heaven itself, yeah. you know, there's how many angels? A trillion angels? I don't know. Is there even a number that we know? Right. The angels themselves right. were 
on guard. Mm. You know, we know at the birth of Jesus right. that the the mass of angels uh, filled the night sky wow. and sang, you know, uh, glory to God in the highest yeah. uh, on earth peace. So the angels were there at his birth. How much more were they there mm. at his resurrection? Right. We don't really know. The Bible right. doesn't say. We do know that some of them were there talking. Right. In uh, in the tomb with Mary, but so the, there's a phrase the angels that, alert. Yeah, yeah. There's a phrase that Paul uses often. He uses it in Ephesians. He uses it in Colossians. He uses it in um, in Corinthians. He uses it probably six to ten times, maybe twelve times or so that I'm aware of. And it's the phrase is the mystery of the ages. Yeah. At one point he says he he clarifies the mystery of the ages is the hope of glory. Christ in you. Yeah. I think it's in Colossians. It is. Yeah. But there are other times where he's speaking about the mystery hidden mm -hmm. for the ages. It's yeah. literally something that the angels Desire were unaware of. Yeah. yeah. They mm -hmm. were unaware of this right. grace right. that was going to be extended to yeah. humanity. They yeah. were unaware of exactly how this was all going to play out. Yeah. So there's, it's a pretty interesting yeah. theological thought experiment to me just yeah. to think about how it God is. hid specific yeah. things yet chose to reveal them. So I did a little research not that long ago on that word mystery. Mm -hmm. And when we think of a mystery, we think of like, hey, here's something I know, but I don't understand. Yeah. And that's not exactly the way it was used in mm -hmm. Paul's writings. It's yeah. more along the lines of hidden knowledge of God. Right. This was something that only the mind of God had, yeah. and it wasn't shared anywhere wow. else. But he chose to reveal it to Paul yeah. and then to the rest of us through the, through the scriptures. Right. Uh, but the fact that um, the angels were desiring to look into something. Yeah. Angels were, were unaware. and That's a great paraphrase. The angels desire to look into. Right. So maybe they were there just trying to figure... They, maybe they what's were talking, going on here? What's happening? Hey, Gabriel, do you know what's, what's, what's right. the deal here? What's right. What's up with this? And you know, that reminds me of... There's, what, three or four verses in the Bible that refers that that the Lamb of God was slain mm, before, before the foundation, the foundation yeah. of the earth. That's good. Man, that just really just gets my uh, thoughts rolling, right. man. What was the Father in eternity past already planning, you know, right. the intricate details of his visit to his creation, right. you know, that the almighty creator of the universe was planning on coming here right, from the beginning, you know, and it just, you know, rattles, rattles my soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To think that God was already uh, in deep thought about this. You yeah. Know, and know that his yeah, not and not just deep thought, but deep act like it, it deep uh, action. It happened while yeah. we were all yet sinners. Yeah. Christ, Christ died. died for us. Yeah. Slain before the foundation of the earth. Mm -hmm. You know, is a it's a great study in and of itself, man. Yeah. You know, it's just lets you know that that God had a plan before he ever made us mm -hmm. that we would be with him even after this was all done. Well, let's wrap it up. Yeah. We've covered a bunch of them here, but let's close out with uh, the thought of these 11 men. And we know Judas, you know, betrayed Jesus and, and committed suicide. But mm -hmm. the other 11 lived on yep. and traveled and preached and built churches and led congregations and did mighty, mighty works, right. you know. And 10 of those 11 all died as, a, as martyrs. Right. You know, what would compel a person to die mm. for something that wasn't true? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting idea. Um, obviously, you know, the, the oftentimes I, I think about, you know, the tragedy of 9-11. Yeah. You know, and those individuals, they hopped on those planes um, and they did the unthinkable, yeah. right? And willingly and intentionally ran planes into the World Trade Center to... Right. to kill all those thousands of people. And um, obviously they did so because of an ideology. Yeah. They did something because of, of something that they believed. Yeah. But um, there's a major difference between believing something because your grandparents told you mm -hmm. or your parents told you or you, whoever told you yeah. in relation to doing something f because of something you saw yeah. And experienced yourself. Yeah. And what what I think happened at nine eleven, obviously, obviously, it was a tragedy. But those men did something under a false belief. Yeah. They were lied to. They yeah. were believing a lie. Right. And even when you believe a lie, you're willing to do some horrific things. Right. But to think that these disciples were willing to go to their own death yeah. for a lie. 
right. is absurd. And here's the difference, I think, between uh, killing for what you believe, but being willing to die for what you believe. Mm-hmm. You know, on one side of it, you know, you're, you have some personal gain attached to this action. I'm going to benefit in the next life. I'll get 70 virgins or, right. or I'll become a hero in, in my nation. But these men gained nothing. Right. In fact, they lost their career. They lost their income. They lost their homes. Yeah. Church they, tradition says Paul, Peter, was, Peter said, I'm not even willing to be, I'm not even worthy to be crucified in the manner that, of my Savior. Right. So crucify me upside, upside down. down. Yeah. And these men, you know, died instead of recount, recanting the right. resurrection. Yeah, and, that, and that's my that's my point yeah. is that they didn't die for a belief; they right. died for an experience. Yeah, they knew it; they right. saw it. They did. Well, the first group, you can believe a lie, and the belief of that lie can drive you to do some pretty serious things. Right. But these individuals weren't simply believing what someone told them. Yeah. They were believing an experience. And they saw what it. they saw with their own eyes. Right. And they were they were willing to to go to their grave yeah. for what they experienced. And John, not a simple belief. And John being the only one of the original twelve that didn't die as a martyr or in Judas's case by his own hand. John right. died of old age. Yeah. But even John, you know, John had a succession of disciples. It was John and then what was it? was it Polycarp? Polycarp. Yeah, and then it was a third generation. Ignatius, I yeah, think somebody, three or but four anyway, down the line. They quote John as saying, All these years I've served him, mm-hmm. he's always done me good. I won't recant. Right. Tell me why I should. You know, he stood almost a hundred years old, 90 some years old. Mm-hmm. And still to the end, I saw this, right? I can't recant what right. I saw, yeah. you know, even if it means you're going to put me as a prisoner on, on Patmos, you know, which is by the way, where he had the vision of revelation, right. you know, even to the very end, God was moving in John's, in John's life. So these 10 men or 11 counting John had an encounter right. with the risen Christ. Right. And it, changed everything, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, uh, and let's wrap it up by saying this, you know, there has been other uh, people throughout history for the last 1980 year, whatever the number of years it's been now, right. that's seen the living Christ, right. you know. I haven't had the privilege. Right. I'm not sure how I would, would respond. I mm-hmm. may die if I would see Jesus face to face. But the man that led me to Christ uh, in 1978 one of the things that got my attention during the sermon was he told of a near-death experience. He was involved in a head-on collision, uh, multiple fatalities, uh, and he was one of the survivors. He died at the hospital, and this was his story that he told that led to my conversion. He died at the hospital, mm-hmm. and he said Jesus Christ came into the hallway at the hospital and put his hand on him while mm-hmm. he was dead, and he came back alive. Wow. Now, whether that happened or not, only God knows. Right. But I do know that he believed that it happened, and it got my attention. Like, maybe, maybe Jesus Christ really is alive. Right. You know, maybe he does still exist, you know, and many others have seen Christ, you know. Right. Um, but I do know... Our faith is in what the Bible says, and these witnesses, mm-hmm. up to 500, Paul said, right. saw him. So I'm convinced, you know, by the Word of God. But those of you who are watching today, maybe you're not convinced. Let me just encourage you yeah. to do the research. And Pastor Al's brought some books that we want to show you. You want to take a minute sure. and yeah. show something? Here's some resources for you if you'd like to take this study on and look at it for yourself. So give us a couple of resources. Yeah, so a couple books that I, I brought very quickly, you know, The Passion of Jesus Christ by John Piper. Um, this book isn't necessarily getting into from, it isn't coming from an apologetic standpoint. It isn't, it isn't arguing why we can uh, trust or believe the validity of the resurrection necessarily, but it's speaking more from a theological standpoint why the resurrection is important to us theologically. So I would say more for us believers, those of you who are members at Journey or those of you who um, are growing in Christ in some capacity, you want to know why the resurrection is important theologically. This is a great, simple, short book, easy place to start to explain that. Um, Next, I would say The Passion and the Empty Tomb. Now, this book here, The Passion and the Empty Tomb, is going to come more from an apologetic standpoint. This is going to 
kind of discuss more in depth what Pastor and I discussed today. It'll talk about the um, the angels. It'll talk about the the tomb. It'll talk about death on the cross. It'll talk about the witnesses and all of the different things that we mentioned in a whole lot more detail. It's again, it's a great book. It's going to come from more of an apologetics perspective. Uh, the Historical Jesus, Ancient Evidence for the Life of Christ by Gary Habermas. This guy, by far, is the leading um, scholar on the resurrection. Now, this book isn't a specific study on the resurrection. He does get into it a little bit, um, but this is more speaking just to the historicity of the man, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a non-believer. Maybe you're saying, I don't even know that this person, Jesus, actually existed. This is a great resource, great place to start. Gary Habermas, and for those of you who are believers, if you're watching this, look up any of the resources that Gary Habermas has written. He's written over 40 books. Um, all 75, 80% of them have to do with the resurrection. Uh, great author. And then the final book I brought here is The Gospel According to Isaiah 53, Encountering the Suffering Servant in Jewish and Christian Theology by Daryl Bach and Mitch Glazer, a phenomenal book that really dives deep into Isaiah 53, um, which talks a lot, it kind of prophesies and foreshadows a lot of uh, the life of Jesus Christ and kind of talks about some of the intricacies that are related with that that discussion. So those are just a, a few different resources Man. to kind of help you get started on your on your journey. Man, thank you, Pastor Al. Sure. Been a great conversation as we are talking about the uh, historical proof of the resurrection. Uh, if you are living in Slidell, we'd invite you to come visit and worship with us at Journey. Maybe you're already part of our fellowship, or maybe you're still watching online and it's safe to come back, or maybe you're just looking for a church. Come visit us. Uh, check us out at jf.church, or better yet, go to your app store and download our app, uh, Journey Fellowship Church. Type that into the search bar, yep. and you can download our app. It is free and it's full of content. There's past sermons. You can find a small group. You can get driving directions, lots of resources to help you to grow in your faith of the Journey Fellowship Church app or jf.church. Well, I've enjoyed being with you.